All right, well, today we're in week two of the series Facing Your Giants. And um, we said last week, and I want to just reiterate a little bit, when we use the word giants, we are not necessarily talking about everything bad, okay? We have giants in our lives that are fantastic. We have giants in our lives that are very positive. We have giants in our lives that have brought about good things. And so when we talk about the giants, we're not only um, talking about bad things. Obviously, it's often the things that we struggle with that we need to talk about and, and spend time on. So last week, we talked about the giant of our past, and we said that in our past, there's both good and there's bad. And we talked about how to find uh, healing and how to, uh, you know, to reclaim our past. And, and so if you haven't watched last week's sermon, I would encourage you to either go on YouTube and watch it there. You can find it also on our website. Or if you want to listen to it, the podcast, it's all there. And so we want to talk today about our, the, the next giant that many of us will face, or I would say all of us will face at some point in our lives, and that's pride. Every single one of us in this room has at some point or time struggled with pride. Uh, we are not, uh, you know, I don't think there's a single person in the room that could say, no, not me, I've never, and if you did, we would probably accuse you of being proud, you know. And so it's one of those things that I think all of us struggle with at times, and so we want to talk about that. As we approach this giant, as we, as we face this giant of pride, I think the question is not, does this giant exist in my life? Rather, where does this giant exist in my life? You know, and, and maybe in some areas of your life, you have no issue with humility. And in other areas of your life, you have a lot of issues with humility. Maybe in some areas, you have no issue with pride. You know, you, you recognize, yeah, this is not my thing. And, and then in other areas of your life, you have a lot of issue with pride. So all of us struggle with pride at some point in some area of our lives. And so we want to look at this and see how do we overcome pride? How do we not allow, allow this giant to dictate and, 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 and lead our lives? We want to be the ones that are in control and give God full permission in every area of our lives. If you have your Bibles with you, Luke chapter 18, verses 10. If you have the Bible app, you can find it on there, the events. It should be, it should be there, and you can follow along that way. Um, I, I think it's important for us to look at this topic through some of the parables and the teachings that Jesus has given. And in Luke chapter 18, verses 10, Jesus tells this parable and he sees this and he, and he talks to his disciples about what they're witnessing. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray. Luke chapter 18, verses 10. Two men went up to Jerusalem, up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, idolaters, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood up at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus continues, as I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. In that day and during that time, in that temple, there were two kinds of worshipers. One that exalted himself, and one that exalted God. And, and I want to just be careful how I say this, but I think the reality is that there's very likely two types of worshipers 
here today. And you may find yourself at times where you are the one exalting yourself. It's all about you. You're constantly and forever, you know, praising yourself. And then there are those times where we worship God and we recognize everything we have comes from Him. And so we want to be the kind of worshipers that exalts God in every area of our lives. I think it's important for us to think about how we process and how we deal with failure and success, and and we'll look at that in a little bit. See, when we read this passage, I think we may find ourselves at times asking and struggling with the question, how could this Pharisee have had this mindset? How could this Pharisee have been so arrogant to say such a thing like, thank you for not making me like this person and and literally belittling someone or, or putting them beneath you and making yourself superior over someone else? You know, we look at our lives, I think most of us would say, I would never really conclude, you know, or say to God, thanks so much for not making me like that person. And so we need to wrestle with this, though, because I'm not sure many of us would say those kind of things, but I wonder sometimes if we've established that kind of attitude in our heart, where we see ourselves in a way that God would not want us to, where we see other people in a way that God would not want us to. The Pharisee was deceived. He was convinced that he was better than everyone else. He was deceived into thinking that his righteousness came from what he did or what he didn't do. And that's why he's quick to call out and he's quick to say, this is what I do. Obviously implying that this this tax collector and these robbers and these other people, they must not do those things. And so therefore, because I do certain things, the Pharisee concluded and deceived himself thinking that's all that God was after. The good I do, the bad I do or don't do, those are the things that matter to God that's the, de- that's the deception that this Pharisee lived under. Do you and I live under that deception? That somehow we've concluded that our value to God and our worth in society, our reputation as believers, as followers of Jesus, is based on what we do and not what's in the heart. So we want to look at that today. See, I want to give you a quick little thing about pride. Pride's ultimate goal is to preserve self, to protect self, and to promote self. Pride's ultimate goal is to preserve self, to protect self, and to promote self. It can take many forms. You'll see it in many different ways in your life. But in the end, it's always about self. Pride is about self. It robs God of the glory. It robs God of the worship that God is due And we may not even intend to do it, but suddenly we're talking to people about, man, you should have seen what I was able to get done. You should see the job I landed. You should see how well I did. And we rob God of all the glory. And this is a complicated topic because there are times in our lives where we should take tremendous pride in ourselves. We should be proud of our work. We should be proud of our efforts. But it can never become to the point, never land to the point where it is all about self. So I want you to really have an open heart and mind today to wrestle with the question: Is pride, is pride a concern in your life? There's a story of a flight attendant who was the flight attendant when Muhammad Ali was flying, and Muhammad Ali was this was a very young version of him, and. I think if you're a boxer, you have to have some sense of arrogance because else you're not going to win. 
So Muhammad Ali had this strong, arrogant self-view of himself. And, and so the flight attendant wanted him to put a seatbelt on. And he refused. So she came by again and she's like, you need to put your seatbelt on, sir. Muhammad Ali replied and he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And the flight attendant replied, and Superman don't need no plane. So sometimes we, we puff ourselves up to this image that we don't need because of who we are. And so this is one of the problems of pride. Pride will dictate and give messages to us that are not true. Gary Collins gives this definition of pride. He said, pride is characterized by an exaggerated desire to win the notice or praise of others. It is an arrogant, haughty estimation of oneself in relation to others. It involves taking on a superior position that largely disregards the concerns and opinions and desires of other people. In essence, it is an attempt to claim for ourselves the glory that rightly belongs to God. See, pride is more easily seen than defined. I already said to you that sometimes there are moments in your life you need to be proud of yourself. You should take pride in the gifts God has given you and the way God uses you. There are times where, you know, we, you know, there, we just should recognize that God did an amazing thing here. And we're proud of what we're involved. I'm proud of this church. I'm proud of what this church has done. But it was always stick to the place where God is above. So pride is easily, more easily seen than defined. And it is easier to detect in others than in self. And if you ever want to know if, you have a pride, if you're a prideful person, ask somebody. See, pride is self-centered, self-satisfied, and ultimately pride is self-destructive. Pride resists instructions in submission. Pride is hidden when it is coddled. It flares up when its demands aren't met. If you ever find yourself flying off the handle and you're trying to understand why did I get so bothered, it could very well be that pride was stepped on. It easily finds fault in others and, and struggles to give genuine praise. It is threatened by other people's accomplishments. When others do well, pride will say to you, don't, don't congratulate them because pride then is in danger of being second and pride can never be second. While people may take, while pride may take many forms, you know, uh, in different ways, one of the things that pride, like I said, is always concerned about self. Pride is always about pleasing self. The goal is always the exaltation of self. Pride must win. Self must be first. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13 says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. And God's speaking here and He says, I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. God's hatred for pride is pure. And it comes from His holiness. God isn't just angry at pride because He feels threatened by someone who, who may feel that they're good at something. God's pride comes from His holiness. It is that which makes Him actively, positionally, and constantly opposed to those who are proud. Scripture talks about this. Now, Jesus models humility in the ultimate way. And we are to live as Jesus lived, to model in our lives how Jesus lived here on this earth. 
James chapter 4, verses 6 says, But he gives us more grace. And that is why Scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. God opposes the proud. Think about this for a moment. God opposes proud, a pride, pride. Meaning, he positions, God literally positions himself on the opposite side of pride. Pride has ruined many, many people. We're all susceptible to it. Someone has said that pride is like a dandelion. If you don't completely and totally uproot that thing, it will come again next spring. <laughs> and you know how that is. So pride is one of these things that we might say, well, I'm, I'm managing my pride. No, the goal of all of our lives is to uproot pride completely out of our lives. So let's look at some of the characteristics of pride. Pride is deceptive. Pride is very deceptive. Obadiah chapter 1 verse 3 says, The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the cleft of the rock and make your home on the heights. You who say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? See, pride is deceptive. Pride will eventually try to convince us that we can't lose. That, we, that we're above other people. It's deceptive power blinds us to the tr truth. It's the lens of the soul that distorts our vision of others. It distorts our vision of God. It distorts our vision of authority. And it distorts our vision of ourselves. Its deceptive powers are the birthplace of rebellion. Pride is the birthplace of rebellion. Because we suddenly find ourselves in a place where we would content, conclude that we do not need God. We can do without Him. We are important enough, and we are good enough, and we are special enough, and we've got it together, and therefore, why would we need to submit, surrender to God? Pride is deceptive. Pride is also destructive. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 18 says, Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. This is why, uh, whenever I talk to leaders or whenever... You see, you know, especially um, leaders of larger corporations, and it, it can be any leader. This is why I always say to leaders, you need to be more concerned about success than failure. More leaders have fallen during a, t a season of success in their life than a season of failure. You see, when we're failing, when we're struggling, we recognize our weakness, and we become very dependent on other people. Suddenly we find ourselves on our knees praying, but when success happens... We can, be, we can conclude that we've got this. We're the ones who did it. And all of a sudden, without intending to, pride brings in destruction. Not during a season of difficulty, but during a season of success. Take special inventory in your heart if you find yourself in a season of success. And that doesn't mean that every successful leader is going to fail or, or struggle in some ways. But I've been watching the news with these successful Christian pastors. And we've been talking as a staff and as pastors here at our church, how do we make sure that we never find ourselves on that side where we've reached a certain level and we begin to feel like we can get away with things that we should never even consider getting away with, much less consider doing. 
Most of these pastors, most of these spiritual leaders who struggled, struggled in a season of success. So I say to all of us, if we're experiencing success, let's make sure that we take careful inventory of our heart, that we never allow pride to take root. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23 says, Pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit gain honor. See, the giant of pride will destroy your testimony. It destroys your service. It destroys your marriage. It destroys your peace in your own heart. It destroys your youthfulness. It will destroy our church and our witness. Pride will take us off mission. We will begin to focus on things not for the sake of the gospel and not for the sake of Jesus. We will focus on those things to make sure we continue to elevate ourselves. And when that happens, we have lost vision of our mission, or or the sight of our mission. Pride brings a person low. So pride is deceptive, it is destructive, and pride is divisive. Proverbs chapter 13, verses 10 says, Where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Where there is strife, there is pride. Pride is the source of of wrong contention, and of a contentious spirit. Pride causes us to conclude that anyone who disagrees with us or or has a different view than us is therefore wrong. And we will label them, pride will label them wrong, not because they necessarily are wrong, but because they are on the opposite side of us. Not only will pride dismiss a person's ideology, pride will dismiss the person. Pride concludes that someone is wrong and therefore cuts them off. Pride says that everything is about us and them. Always about us versus them. Pride requires winning at all cost. Pride commands compassion to be silent. It has no room for love. Pride does not compromise. Pride says that in everything there is a right and there is a wrong and self is always in the right. That's the message of pride. What a contrast. When you think of those descriptions of pride, deceptive, destructive, divisive, what a contrast to Jesus. Jesus, while he was here on earth, gave up his rights Jesus knew that he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus knew from where he had come. But he made himself nothing for you and I. He gave up his rights, laid down his life for us. Jesus modeled humility. And this is something all of us must strive towards. So how do we overcome pride? How do we we fight this giant? How do we combat this giant in our lives? And and I said to you last week, Christians are not underdogs, so we've already won. So how do we conquer this giant of pride in our lives? The first thing we need to do is recognize that pride is a sin, and therefore we must repent. You cannot just say, well, I'm going to slow down being prideful. We need to repent, because God opposes the proud. So we need to repent and ask God to forgive us in those, in those seasons of our lives, in those moments in our lives, and in just in that mindset that we have that we 
have a right to be proud. We must clothe ourselves, secondly, we must clothe ourselves with humility. So let's take a look for a moment at the power of humility. We did a series last year on this, three-part series, so we're not going to go back now and, and look at all of that, but last year we talked about you know, humility, and that was in November, so if you haven't seen that, I would encourage you to go back. But humility is honestly assessing ourselves in light of God's holiness, not ourselves, not our own, but in light of God's holiness and our sinfulness. Andrew Murray defines or gives a description of humility in this way. He said, humility is perfect quietness of heart. It is for me to have no trouble, never to be fretted or vexed or irritated or sore or disappointed. It is to expect nothing, to wonder at nothing that is done to me, to feel nothing done against me. It is to be at rest when nobody praises me and when I am blamed or despised. It is to have a blessed home in the Lord where I can go in and shut the door and kneel to my Father in secret and be at peace as in a deep sea of calmness when all around me is trouble. It is the fruit of the Lord Jesus Christ, redemptive work on Calvary's cross, manifested in those of His own who are definitely subject to the Holy Spirit. See, as Jesus followers, we have been called, we have been commanded to live as Christ lived. To live out the example, to live out the teachings of Jesus. And pride has no place, had no place in the life of Jesus, therefore it has no place in our lives. I want you to listen to Matthew chapter 23. Jesus is speaking here about these same Pharisees that we read about a little while ago. Look at what he says in Matthew chapter 23, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus said to the crowd and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So they had a place of importance. Jesus is not trying to take that away from them. He recognizes these Pharisees have this seat, and it's a seat of importance. So, so you must be careful. He's speaking to the Pharisees, I mean to the, to the Jesus followers. He says, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you. These Pharisees have a right because of their position to give instruction to your life. But look at what he says next. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. What these Pharisees were reading from Scripture, from the Torah, was good information. It was accurate. It was Scripture. It was the Old Testament. And so Jesus is saying, these people have a seat of authority and you need to listen to them, but don't do it the way they do it. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. See, pride makes life difficult for other people to elevate self. Pride makes life harder for other people, not because people deserve it or not because people need it, but so that self can be elevated. And that's what these Pharisees did. They would give these incredible rules that no one could follow, but because they could commit themselves to doing nothing but the rules, somehow the Pharisees were elevated because they were the ones keeping the rules while the everyday person could not keep up with all the rules. 
verse 5. Everything they do is done for people to see. This is Jesus speaking. He just calls these people out. He says, all they do, everything they do is done for one purpose, not for God, but for people to see. And that's a sign of pride. They make their phylacteries wide. It's these little things that they carried on their heads. They make them wide and tassels of their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and most important seats in the synagogue. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and be called rabbis by others. Pride is about self-image, reputation, distinction, adulation, praise, recognition, and the list goes on. This is what pride demands. Pride also demands being on the right side, even if that requires making someone else wrong. Pride decides what is right, and pride always makes self right. Jesus challenges his disciples in the next verse to be careful with titles. Because titles lead, titles can lead to pride. Titles can become more important than people. Look at what Jesus says in verse 8. He says, you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are brothers. Now look at verse 9. This applies to a lot of us here. And you are not to call anyone father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. So I want us to be careful with these. Jesus is not saying this is an absolute rule. Because now in verse 11, he gives us the heart behind why these titles should be carefully looked at. He says in verse 11, The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves, maybe through titles, will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Keep these verses in mind. Okay, These verses that Jesus just spoke here, keep these in mind. And then notice the difference between what Jesus just instructed us his disciples to do. And then when we look back at verse 11 of, uh, of Luke 18, where this Pharisees, thank you for not making me like others. Thank you for not making me even like this tax collector. Jesus is telling us here, to live in humility requires that we never put our position, our title, ourselves over someone else for the sake of self-glorification. This Pharisee in Luke 18 was praying to himself about himself and could not and yet could not see himself for who he really was. Pride blinds us to ourselves. So we want to wrap up today in a similar way that we did last week. And the service is done and the sermon is done. There's going to be a slide on the screen. It's just for our graphic and there's going to be some music playing. And just quietly, and, and we've got time. You've got 30 minutes in between. And I'm sure whatever restaurant you're running to, it can wait. But would you consider today pausing for a moment before you rush out and allowing God to speak into your heart and ask the question, is there pride in our lives? We've described pride. Is some of that festering, is some of that in us? And maybe 
Maybe sometimes we have a hard time recognizing it. So let me ask us a whole ton of questions that may help us expose whether or not pride has somehow taken a hold in our lives. I'm encouraging us, all of us, myself included, that we would take a moment today to examine ourselves. Is pride in our lives? So here's just some questions that may help guide us towards that. Do you accept constructive criticism? Are you willing to accept constructive criticism? Do you struggle to forgive? Do you need to be noticed or the center of attention? How important is your physical appearance? Are you very concerned of who you are associated with because of the image you're trying to uphold? Do you like name-dropping so everyone knows that you know important people? We could ask it this way. Do you like dropping information so everyone knows of all the important things you've done? Are you teachable and open to admitting you are wrong? Pride will not let you say, I'm wrong. Can you fail and cheer on others when they succeed? And lastly, are there some jobs that are just beneath you? You just wouldn't do them. I want you just to look at those questions. And would you just pray and ask God, like, is there pride in my life? And if there is, would you repent and ask God to remove it from you, to forgive you for those times where you've exalted yourself over him, where you've exalted yourself at the expense of others? This is just a small sample of questions that we can ask that might help us expose whether pride is in us. And the best way for us to really do this is to allow God to search us. To allow the Holy Spirit to reveal in us areas of our lives that we may not be aware of. And then I want to encourage you, like I said, to repent and to ask God to forgive you. And if you were here last year when we did this series, I I taught you this breath prayer. And the breath prayer is just a prayer you can do in one breath, hence the name. And the breath prayer was this, Lord, make me a humble person. And maybe that's something that we need to continue to pray. Lord, make me a humble person. Lord, make me a humble person. And and maybe you're going into a meeting tomorrow. Maybe you're facing some tension tomorrow. Maybe you have a, a conversation that you need to have. And before you get there, before you start... Lord, make me a humble person. May pride not be the thing that determines how I respond to people. May I model Jesus in everything that I do. So I want to pray, and if we're going to dismiss, and again, I would ask that you would just quietly make your way out. And if you need to take some time today to just sit silently, to listen to God, to allow Him to speak to us, I would invite you to do that. Let's pray. Father, I think it's safe to say that all of us have at some point in our lives struggled with pride. 
truth is, pride will not want us to even admit that here today. Jesus, we want to be like you. We want to live for you. We want to exalt you. And there's many things in this world today that are pulling at us to take sides, to, to align ourselves with them and with whatever it might be. We pray, Jesus, that in the midst of all of this, our focus would be on you. So humble us, God. Make us humble. Make us like you so that we can truly worship you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. And again, take your time if you need.